0: Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. And uh, bonjour tout le monde. Uh, We are so glad that you are here today. And we want to start with a question as we go ahead and bring up the house lights, so we see everybody all pretty today. I want to ask you today, voici la question. Est-ce que vous êtes prêts? Here's the question. Are you ready to study God's Word today? I know. Il pleut aujourd'hui, mais notre Dieu est bon. It may be raining today, but our God is good, okay? I know it feels a little heavy. There's a lot of hard stuff going on in our world today and in our community today, without a doubt. But that is why we need God's Word as our foundation. And today we're going to start in Psalm 102, Psalm 102, and then we're going to land in Mark 14. So if you want to get your Bible open, kind of hold your finger in both those spots, Psalm 102 and Mark 14. And today we start a brand new series called Overwhelmed. And and I want to ask you this question, have you ever gotten to a point in your life where you you took on a new task, maybe you picked up a a new responsibility, you came into a new phase in your life, and at first it seemed like things were going so well. I mean, you're just like, I've got this. I'm I'm in charge. I'm large. I got it down. This 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 is good. And you think you have it under control, and then before long you realize that you have gotten in over your head and it is more weight than you can handle and I'm going to show you something it's kind of painful I I hope we can get through it I, I apologize in advance but I think this kind of symbolizes how sometimes maybe we feel watch this like that sometimes yes you you relate to that where you you think I've got this and then all of a sudden you realize oops I guess I don't have this maybe you feel like Psalm 102 where David says hear my prayer Lord let my cry for help come to you do not hide your face from me when I am in distress turn your ear to me When I call, answer me quickly, for my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted out and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I'm like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. Now there's a Bible verse you don't find on a Hallmark card. Am I right? Where nobody retweets or does TikTok videos on their favorite Bible verse, for I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. Doesn't that just encourage your soul today? But listen, that's one of the reasons the Bible is so amazing and powerful. It's real and raw and speaks into the truth of our human condition. And so why does this happen? How do we End up feeling overwhelmed. I'm going to ask my wife uh, to come out, uh, Tracy, to help us here for a minute. And uh, we, we have some, some plates here. Are, are we getting. Gonna... And so we have, there we go. And so we have some plates here that, that kind of represent the stress and the burden that we face in our lives sometimes. And even as a child, you remember when, when our kids are little and they're trying to learn how to walk and they're trying to learn the ways of the world. And and pretty soon, even with a child sometimes, they begin to discover that, that life isn't so easy, that they face challenges and they're learning to read and write and they're learning to walk and they're, they're starting to think, you know, starting to worry about what other people think of them even at a young age. But then at a certain point, you realize in your development that that it's not just your own pressures and responsibilities that you face, but you start to face the expectations of other people who start stacking plates onto your pile. And your parents start communicating their expectations of you and 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 you have friends and you worry about what they think and what your family thinks and what, what coaches think and what teachers think and you start worrying about tests and then you graduate and you go to university maybe or you start your career and then you start meeting this this guy or this girl who just makes you feel so special and and, and maybe you get married and then you 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 get a mortgage. And, and you you buy a house and and then you have to replace the roof, and it's more than you can bear, and then your boss places extra expectations on work and extra projects, and you're not sure how the business is doing and whether you're going to be able to keep your job, and then the car breaks down, and you're not sure that you can pay for the repairs, and then you take on more responsibilities in the community because you see that people need help, and you start helping even serve in the church because you want to do your best to make a difference in your community, and the plates get heavier and heavier and heavier. (laughs) You don't think I can handle it? I I go to the gym. I've been training for this. But the problem is when you're overwhelmed and overloaded, there are a couple of things that happen. First of all, what happens is we begin to avoid other people, right? Why? Because I'm afraid that if I allow anyone else to get close to me, then they'll try to pour more plates onto my stack. And so I begin to avoid other people. And then secondly, what it means is because I'm overwhelmed and overburdened in my life, if somebody else needs help, I I can't help them either. And then... When we're overwhelmed and overloaded, all it takes is just one little bump. Just one little bump. Just one little bump is all it takes. And before long, it all comes crashing down. And here's what else happens when we're overwhelmed and face a crash. Often, we overreact in ways disproportionate to the circumstance, blaming others beyond what is fair. What do I mean by this when I say we overreact in ways disproportionate to the circumstance and blame others beyond what is fair? Here's what happens so often It's not her fault that I was already overwhelmed and overburdened. She just happened to be the one who was there. But what we do is say, I can't believe you did that to me. Look at what you've done. Don't you realize that you've caused this mess? And whenever you have anybody, catch this, this is so important to understand. It helps you have compassion and kind of balance and keep your emotions in check when somebody blows up at you for for something that seems unreasonable. Whenever somebody's response is disproportionate to the offense and they blame you for all kinds of stuff that isn't your fault, just keep this in mind. That many times when someone blames us for all of their problems, it's just that we happened to be the one who was standing there. Don't take it personal. You just happened to be the one who was standing there when everything came tumbling down. Thank you, Tracy, for helping us out. And by the way, you're not the source of all the (laughs) burdens in my life. I love you. Thank Tracy for helping us out today. And then we're going we're gonna to clean this up a little bit here so that nobody uh, steps on it on the way out just a little bit later. But, but before, that was quite effective, wasn't it, Rob? <laughs> That's good. I think we got it. Uh, before we, uh, we, we get into Mark chapter 14, here's what we are about to see, that Jesus himself knew what it was like to be overwhelmed. You see, I don't want to offend you, but, but the reality is that Jesus was perfect, fully God and fully human. And so, I, I don't think it should surprise you when I remind you today that Jesus was probably smarter than you are. Jesus was stronger than you are. Jesus was more emotionally balanced than you are. Jesus was more relationally skilled than you are. Does that surprise anybody? Anybody here who thinks you're better than Jesus? I hope not. Because Jesus was perfect. Fully God and fully human. But even Jesus felt overwhelmed. Look at Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Can we just stop here and say, listen, you're not the only one. Even Jesus felt this way. Now, when did this take place? This is on the very night that Jesus is about to be arrested. Jesus is about to be arrested and and put on trial with fake charges and, and falsely accused Sent to a cross where he would die to take the punishment for the sins of the world, even though he did not deserve it. And he would be dead and buried. And in the midst of this feeling of being overwhelmed and knowing what he's about to go through, he pours out his heart to his father and he turns to his disciples and says, I need to go and pray by myself for a while. Middle of verse 34. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. In other words, he said, Father, I don't know that I can handle this. It's too much. Father, please don't make me go through this. Verse 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Now we say, well, of course he felt that way because Jesus is about to die for the sins of the world so that we can be forgiven. That's why he was so overwhelmed at this point. And that is absolutely 100% true. But is it also possible that some of this in part is because there are plates that had been stacking up in his life for a while, just like they stack up in our lives. Uh, Perry Noble, uh, whose book inspired this series, suggests a list of seven plates that had been stacking up in Jesus's life to this this point of being overwhelmed, all the way back uh, to his childhood. Number one, someone attempted to kill Jesus when he was two years old. King Herod tried to kill Jesus when he was just a little boy. And some of you had trauma that happened in your life when you were a child. Maybe you were victimized. Maybe somebody did something to you that should never happen to a child. Did you know that Jesus knows what that feels like? Number two, his adopted father died when Jesus was a kid. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how or what happened or when. But when Jesus starts his ministry as an adult, we see that Joseph is no longer on the scene anymore. He's gone. And many of you today are struggling with the loss of a loved one. And maybe even to this day you feel overwhelmed with your grief. Number three, Jesus always had people crowding around him. Everywhere he went, people were trying to get his attention. I I, I think it's really funny that that when you read in the Gospels, these stories about Jesus, you find that in a lot of the stories, he is literally running off somewhere to hide from the crowd. Like he's getting on a boat to go out into the lake and leaving the people behind. He's going up to a mountaintop to pray. And, and like many of the stories in, in the Gospels end with Jesus going and hiding from the crowds. I wonder here today if anybody knows what it's like to just want a moment's peace, Mothers of small children, can I get an amen <laughs> in the house? You're, you're like, will somebody please just leave me alone? Jesus knew what that felt like. Because number four, people were always taking from Jesus and few were giving to him. Uh, think about it. Jesus was always ministering to everybody else. But who was ministering to Jesus? Jesus. Every story was somebody coming and asking for a miracle, somebody asking Jesus for a favor, somebody asking Jesus a theological question, somebody bringing their problem to Jesus. And listen, he loved the people. That's why Jesus came. But can we just be, be honest and admit that it is overwhelming when it seems like everybody's always taking from you and so few seem to be giving Number five, the Pharisees were aggressively attacking Jesus. Some of you know what it's like to have an attacker, somebody who tells lies about you. I know what that's like, and I bet you do too, when people start gossiping about you and misrepresenting you and, and trying to tear you down. Number six, some of his closest friends doubted and betrayed Jesus. See, it's it's one thing when the Pharisees and the opposition are against you. That's to be expected. But what about when it's people like Judas and Peter who have been his closest friends? These are people, men who have walked with him and talked with him and they've shared lives together and they've they've shared meals together and they've ministered together and gone through hard times together together. Do you know what it's like, like Jesus, to have your closest friends betray you? That's devastating. And then it was at this very time that, number seven, Jesus was about to face the most painful trial of his life. And so we see that these plates have been stacking up, and that's where we find Jesus in Mark chapter 14. Where he falls to the ground and he prays and he says, Father, I know that my purpose is to die for the sins of the world. I know that's my mission. I know that is the very reason that I have come into this world. But I'm not sure that I can handle it. Jesus said, Father, if it is possible, please take this cup from me. Let me interpret that for you. Let me translate that for you. In other words, Jesus was praying, Father, Please change my circumstance. And isn't that how we tend to pray? We pray, Lord, please fix my problems. But here's what we need to understand. Here are three life-changing truths. And number one is, our desire is for God to change our circumstances, but God's desire is to change us through our circumstances. This this is so important, don't miss this. Jesus prayed, Father, please take this problem from me. But what did the Father do instead? Instead of taking the problem from Jesus, He strengthened Jesus to get through His problems. Because number two, while we are focused on our circumstances, God is focused on our character. If you're here today and you feel overwhelmed and you've got this huge stack of plates and you're afraid right now that that maybe things are about to come tumbling down, you're afraid that maybe you're headed for a crash, over the course of this series, throughout the month of November, we're going to find some practical steps, some answers together, because here's the third truth we need to understand. Number three, I may not get out of this problem but I'm going to get through it. And in fact, I wonder, just as a declaration of faith, not on your own strength, but by the power of God and the truth of His Word, would you say it with me? Here we go. All together. I may not get out of this problem, but I'm going to get through it. This time I want you to say it like you believe it, okay? Declare it with faith, because some of you, you need to hold on to this truth. By the power of God and the truth of His Word, here we go together. I may not get out of this problem, but I'm going to get through it. And in Mark 14, Jesus is in agony. We see His sorrow. We see His pain. We see that He feels overwhelmed. But we stopped right before we got to the conclusion of His prayer. And listen, if you don't see how Jesus finished this prayer then you have in fact missed the most important part of the prayer because the last line of this prayer is what it is actually all about and we haven't even read it yet so let's get back to the beginning again and we'll work our way down to the most important part mark 14 32 they went to a place called gethsemane and jesus said to his disciples sit here while i pray He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. So going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. But then, here is how Jesus concludes this prayer. He says, yet, not what I will, but what you will. And then, he returned to his disciples. Then, he got back to doing what he knew he needed to do. And so the most important part of this prayer is actually the conclusion. Verse 36 is where the power comes from. When Jesus says, Father, not my will, but Your will be done. Everybody say it with me. Father, not my will, but Your will be done. When you pray for a miracle, when you pray for a healing, when you pray over a problem, when you pray because of a relational issue, when you pray because you need wisdom, when you you pray over a sickness when you pray because you just don't think you can take it anymore the most important part is when you seal that prayer in faith and say but nevertheless father not what I want but what you want father not my will but your will be done and folks that posture is what changes everything You you want to know the difference between people who crash and people who carry on? Let me tell you the difference between people who crash and people who carry on. It's when you have this posture that says, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I know that you are faithful. And so I am coming to you and telling you what I want. How I think you should deal with this situation. But nevertheless, Father, I know that your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so I submit to you and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And that is when God can begin to work a miracle out of your mess. See, God wants to work a miracle out of your mess if you will let him. But listen, here's here's what happened when Jesus surrendered his will to the Father. He died. You're like, what? That doesn't seem like a good ending to the story. Jesus was crucified. He died. He was dead and buried in the tomb. And his enemies believed that that was the end of the story. His enemies believed that they had won. The world had written him off, but God was about to turn this mess into a miracle. See, some of you have been to Israel. Maybe maybe you've been there on a trip with me or with the church before. We're going again, we already have a full tour uh, for March this coming year. But one of the, for many people, one of the most significant events in Israel is when they go to a place called the Garden Tomb. In Jerusalem and it's in a tomb just like this where Jesus after his crucifixion they took his body and they laid him in the tomb he was dead in the grave and some of you listen think about our lives when when I stand before this very spot in Jerusalem and I think about what it must have been like for the disciples on that on that day When it seemed like all hope was gone, the story was over. And some of you today feel like there is no hope. You feel like your dreams are dead and buried in a tomb. You think your story is over. But I've got good news for you today. Jesus went in that tomb as a dead man, but he walked out restored and victorious. Come on, listen. You see, you see, Jesus... For Jesus, his present circumstance did not dictate his future glory. For Jesus, his present difficulty only served to amplify his future victory. Let me say it again. For Jesus, this present difficulty only served to amplify his future victory. But here's where it starts. It starts with this, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And so as we stand together, and wherever you are at home right now, as you prepare your hearts, in just a few minutes we're gonna pray, but we're we're gonna talk for just a minute about, about what is God's will. What is God's will? You're like, Joel, it's all well and good to say, Father, your will be done, but what is it? See, first of all, God's will is in his word. And sometimes we pray for things in our lives that we ask for that are contrary to his word. And so the first thing we need to recognize is that when we pray, Lord, your will be done, his will is always according to his word. Secondly, his will. Is for your salvation. See, that's the reason that Jesus died on the cross, not because he deserved it, but because you deserved it. The punishment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you've never surrendered and confessed your sin to him and received his forgiveness to be set free. That's His will done in your life. And then once that happens, His will is according to His word. His will is for your salvation and His will is for your holiness. Is for your holiness to become more like Jesus. Next week we're going to talk about that. What, What are some of the things maybe that are in in the way of his will for our lives. But maybe as we open our hearts to him, maybe he'll speak to you about a few of those things right now that maybe you need to surrender and say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Heavenly Father, Lord, today in this moment, we just invite you to speak to us. Lord, I don't want this to be about my words. Let your word speak. Speak into people's lives right now, all around this room and all around the world, those who are with us online, right now. Just invite God to speak to you in this moment of silence. What does he have to say to you today about his word? Father, I come to you today and pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, thank you for this example from Jesus. Jesus who shows us how to walk through seasons of great difficulty in faithfulness and with courage in submission to you. Lord, I pray right now for those who are in a season of darkness. Before the sun rises in our lives, sometimes we have to go through a season of darkness. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, sometimes before we get to the gateway of great blessing, we have to go through a hallway of great difficulty. Lord, I, I pray for those who you have brought to, to this message today you have drawn them because you had a word for them today And lord i pray that that word would take root in their hearts and lord for anybody who needs to surrender to you as you speak into their lives right now if that's you if you've never surrendered your life to jesus or maybe there's something even as a christian that you need to confess to him right now would you just join me in a prayer like this just say father father i confess i confess that i'm a sinner that i've been selfish that i've lived following the world rather than you and your word i believe that jesus died on the cross for me for my salvation and for my holiness come in and wash me clean right now invite him to come into your life to take control to be your lord to be your master to be your king and father for everyone who who just invited you right now to do that lord may they feel your your blessing and your presence as they walk out into this world that is going to beat them down and continue to try to stack more plates and 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 to lead them away from you this world that is constantly trying to distract us from you and from your word and from your will Lord, i pray that you would guard and protect them that each day as we get into your word that it would come alive to us that scripture would would speak life into our dry bones, that your spirit would empower us, Lord, in everything we do, and that you would have your way in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. See you next time.